Welcome to the Spooky Stoner Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Dina. Thank you for joining us for our sixth episode. On this podcast, we will be talking about true crime, paranormal, metaphysical, and new age stuff. Or shit. Um, All while partaking in cannabis one way or another. So, what are we smoking and why are we smoking? I have no idea. (laughs) We are smoking... Fuck. Is it your, your fave? It's not my... No... It's not like... It's Stardog from the other place. Growly? Okay. Is that, is that a place? I think it's a place. So yeah, Stardog from Star... Uh, Growleaf. <laughs> Grow life? Grow something. Anyway. Okay, and the reason why I'm smoking is because I've been holding him back on Dina. Like, ever since she got here, I was like, I have something. And uh. I have to hold it back for the podcast. So remember how we were talking about... I would take this as a sign from the universe that I need to get back in theater... Yes. What was it? What was it? I don't know. That rent would be at oh. the Pensacola Little Theater. Oh, yeah. Is it going? Yes. I just found out, like, literally before you got here. When? June 2024. And I am like, universe, you have given me a sign. I have okay. been born. Not born. But ever since I was 17 and I saw rent. I will work tech. I, I am been, not going to get it. I'm not going to be I am fucking going to be Maureen. Of course. You're going to be Maureen? Hell yeah! Oh my god. I can barely sing Maureen. Oh, I can totally do it. Okay. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I can't wait to be like over the moon and like act. Oh yeah. All we got to do is go over the moon. Yeah. Yeah. But what about Take Me or Leave Me? I can do it. I think I can do it. Oh my gosh. But it's so like. Kiss Pookie. No, but you gotta belt that shit. Wow. I can. I can. Okay. Three times a day. I don't. See, it's not going to be three times oh, a yeah, day. yeah, it's three times a day, especially in rehearsal. Well, yeah. Probably like seven times a day in rehearsal. It's going to be 20 times a day. Yeah. But oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Can't drink any dairy. Can't have any carbonated beverages. I think I can. No, if you I can cannot. hit the notes. If you can hit the notes. Exactly. I was not allowed. If you can hit the fucking notes, you can do what you want. Okay, okay. so but I'll then, wear tech. That's exciting. I'm but then I was like, what song is going to be my audition song? Ooh. Defying Gravity. No, you were not supposed to do that one, though. Why? Because it's supposedly the worst song you can do for auditions. Well, it's because of the high seat. Well, and <laughs> also, probably everyone is going to do that. Yeah. So, I'm going to do The Wizard of Me from Wicked. Oh, okay. Because it still has, like, some belting moments in there. I did Hey Jude. Of course, I could do Let It Go. <laughs> Same person. Yeah. Oh, you could do Let It Go. I could do Let It Go. Hey, I never even thought about that. Into the Unknown. Man, I always forget that that's her. Yep. I always forget that that's her. And then I'm just like, wow, this is a really great show. Like, and it's funny, too, because it's her and Kristen Bell. Yeah. Who is, like, the most serious and the least serious. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I would have loved to sit in on those editions or those rehearsals. Yeah. And then, like, so I'm going to hit it here, and you need to be here. And Kristen Bell's just like, I'm going to be wherever I'm at. I'm gonna wing it. Yeah, we're both gonna fine. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love Kristen Bell. I love, I love both of them, Nadina, but they're both very different people. <laughs> oh my gosh, so that's why I'm so good. And then also, I just got pre-approved for a mortgage. I'm getting a new house by me. Closer to you, yeah. Closer to me. That's all that matters. Yes. None of the rest of it matters. I don't care if it's you know on top of an Indian burial ground as long as you're closer to me. Oh hell no. We'll get rid that's of it. How, it's that's fine. how you get poltergeist. No, actually, teenage girls is how you get poltergeists. That too. So, enjoy that. Yeah, I have both. Big ups for the boy moms. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm, like, like a little bit sick to my stomach, but that's also, like, making me know that, like, I'm not going to be stupid and yeah. just, like, get a million-dollar house and be like, oh, wait, I yeah. can't afford it. Because yeah. we're not famous yet. Yet. Yeah. Next week, maybe. Maybe next week. Yeah. We'll work for next week. That, that's- yeah. Thank you to our seven followers. You're still sticking with us. Woo! We think. Because technically, when we're speaking right now to them, for us, it's the future. Yeah, we, we're like a month ahead of y'all. Yeah. Cause, so we're talking to you from the past. It's like back to the future right now. Yeah. <gasps> you always did that with like emails too. Like if someone like emailed us from like Australia, you'd yeah. be like, oh my gosh. They're it's from the tomorrow. <laughs> They're emailing me from tomorrow. I saw the dumbest thing I think I've ever seen on the internet. Someone said something about, if China's a day ahead of us, why didn't they warn us about 9-11? <laughs> 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 I 
And it's like, gee, I wonder. Hmm. I wonder why. Because technically it happened all at the same I, time. I know, I know, I know. But that's hilarious. I'm smoking today because lawyers are expensive. Oh. Uh, and ick. Yeah. It's so rude. But hopefully you're going to get a good lawyer because my first lawyer that I got for the ex sucked ass. Yeah. Like she, I remember that. Like, I was a borderline alcoholic because of that whole situation. Yeah, I remember that, too. And it's because my lawyer didn't support me. Like, she made me feel like a bad mom. And I'm like, okay, the ex is already doing that. Yeah. I don't need your help. Yeah. And so I should have took that as a big red flag and been like, you know, I think another lawyer. Yeah. But I made it through it. And then my second lawyer was fucking awesome. Well, so. I have heard intel that it could be possible that I may not need one, but I don't ever believe anything that I hear. So I'm mm-hmm. going to get a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it, like. Because I can't handle it. Your lawyer is going to be your bodyguard. Yeah. So I, I if you ever have the money to do it, fucking always get a lawyer. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah. Speaking of things that we need money for. Yes. Let's talk about manifesting. Yes. Uh, I did a manifesting um, um, meditation yesterday. Oh. It was like a grounding meditation, and it was like very interesting. Me and Was it good? Me and Bev did it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Because I didn't. Because you decided you were clean house. I got sleep. cracked out on coffee and deep cleaned my, my board games. <laughs> yeah. You're like, thank God I got my coffee maker. Now let me drink all the coffee. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I've had like six cups of coffee since I got it Saturday afternoon. Wow. Yeah. That's more than my normal daily quota. Yeah, it's more than mine, too. It's I, way more than yours. You you get, like, yeah. half a cup. Yeah. So, I'm pretty sure that's why I didn't sleep at all last night. But Ooh, that's yeah. all right. We're good. Everything's fine. But, yeah, it was it was a really cool med- uh, meditation because, like, we were, we were, like, going, like, in our head, we were going down steps into mm-hmm. our sanctuary, and then that's where we manifest it, and then we came up the steps, and, like, going up the steps got us out of our meditation, made a meditative state State. Mm -hmm. so that was really cool i have like a paper about it but anyway yeah yeah i mean that's visualization is one of the things to talk about i'm actually telling you about your subject yeah you you shut up (laughs) yeah if you could just let me do what i'm supposed to be doing here i don't tell you about murdering things or murderers or aliens i haven't talked to you about a murderer that you know yet i don't know any murderers that's not true actually there's a couple people that i went to high school with that i think are in prison I was, like, looking at you and like, really? Yeah, no, I probably, yeah, okay. We'll change the subject on that one, because that's probably illegal I'm pretty sure if I did any, like, cold case or something that was in Texas, you would be all on that shit. You'd be like, you know, there was a guy that I went to high school That name sure does sound familiar. (laughs) No, my, I have a very good friend from high school who keeps track of all that stuff, and she would text me if. Anything too major had happened. Okay. I don't keep track of any of that stuff. But every now and she, again, she'll just be like, hey, did you hear so-and-so, this and that? And I'm like, what? She's How do t- you know all this? She's the tea maker. Yeah. Yeah. She makes all the tea. Yeah. Yeah, she knows everything that's going on with everybody. And I don't. And that's fine. Um, You're also not in Texas anymore. Yeah. Well, neither is she. Oh, is she? She's just, <laughs> she just still talks to everyone from my school because she's nice. Oh, I'm the, she's the only person that I still talk to from high school. She actually keeps in contact with people very well. Is she, like, the class president? No. The class president... Mm, this is a public audience. Oh. I was like, <laughs> did the class we, president get okay. arrested? You know, you went to the nerd high school when you start getting things about your reunions two years in advance. Oh, okay. That's the kind of stuff that my class president well, did. it's better than mine. Yeah. I have not seen a single high school reunion. Oh. They had ours on a boat, which was a big no for me. <laughs> oh. Because that feels a lot like getting trapped on people on a boat with people that I went to high school with. Yeah. And I can't leave. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say drunk story of mine, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah. All right. Manifesting. What do you to do with the boat? Manifest. I'm on a boat. So if you want to get on a boat, here's how you're going to manifest that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good segue. Segway. I don't want to get on a boat, so that's not what I'll be doing. So, what is manifesting, first of all? So, the definition, like, from the dictionary, would just be visualizing something and as, like, a, for goal-setting purposes, kind of. But really what it is is it's a process of bringing dreams, ideas, and or intentions into a real, tangible, physical world. So, you're dreaming of buying a house, right? Yes. You create a vision board, maybe. 
or you just start looking online for different types of houses. You start imagining what kind of house you want. You start talking about buying a house. You start taking the steps to buy a house, getting a mortgage, seeing how much you can be approved for, fixing your credit, all that stuff. All those little steps can be can be taken from mundane to magical just with your intention and your mindset. Okay, so you're saying like literally everyone manifests. Yes. Literally everyone manifests all the time, every day. Like you can say, I'm going to get a pizza for dinner. And then you can manifest yourself a pizza. I just did it. Yeah. I went to the pizza place. I drove through there. I paid for the pizza. They gave me a pizza. I manifested it. Got it. Now, is it always that simple? No. <laughs> Obviously. And is it, you know, but that is technically, yes, that is manifesting. I said it and I made it happen. With the, I mean, you know. Bigger things you want to use maybe some divine power for help, and that's where your spell work and your timings would come in, like with the moon phases and all that. Yeah. Um, things like that. But, I mean, manifesting really can just be as small as, like, I want to have better skin. I'm going to do a face mask every day. And then going and buying a jar of face mask and putting it on every day. And then you've manifested better skin. It, it sounds a lot like just doing what the hell you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But we're making it magic. Got it. You know what I'm saying? We're making it fun and magic. Got it. So, and really, because we've come so far in psychology and we understand that there's really nothing that anyone has to do. No one has to buy a house. No one has to get married. Yeah. You will survive. And so I feel like with manifesting, it's more just like, here are the things that I do actually want, though. And luckily, a lot of people have done these things before, so I know the steps. And it doesn't seem magical, but it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you don't have to do it. Yeah. You don't have to go buy a house. You can, mm -hmm. and you want to, so you're going to manifest it. Yeah. But, like, the universe is not going to just make you have a house if, yeah. if it's not for you. I'm not going to go to bed tonight and wake up in a huge mansion. Right. So that's what I'm kind of got off on a tangent there about but yeah so I feel like manifesting is just taking what you want not what anyone says you should have or should want and trying to figure out how you're going to make that happen and you can use your spiritual tools in conjuncture is that the word yeah hand in hand yeah it, hand in hand with the regular tools like if you're behind on your property taxes, right? And you're like, okay, I need to put $50 in a savings account every week, but I don't actually have $50 in a savings account every week to put there. So I also need to get some more money in. So you start doing some money spells. You know what I mean? And it's it's kind of like a long game manifesting. Yeah. So it's the equation for manifesting. Let me just tell you, because it's math. Oh, no. It's not really math. It's okay. It's the power of the mind, so what you want and what you can do. Okay. Plus divine power. So I say I say divine power here because I don't see manifestation as a one religion type thing. No, Christians manifest all the time. Right. They like pray. Right. Praying service. Praying is manifestation. Like they pray to heal the sick and right. like pray. All they the are things. literally actively trying to manifest that into the tangible world. Yeah. Right. So that's why I put divine power here instead of like spell work or anything like that. Because if you're not into witchcraft, you can still manifest. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, how many fucking people do like a vision board at the beginning of the year? Yeah. Like plenty of people. Mm -hmm. And they're not, they would not identify as, and it's fine. That's fine. So you've got power of the mind plus divine power plus action. So I actually heard someone once, and I thought that this was really, really good. And it's saying, they said that the divine was like the airport, right? Okay. Like going to church or going to mass or going to temple, wherever you're going or doing spell work, it's kind of like going to the airport. Okay. Like once you're at the airport, all of the tools that you need to get onto a plane and go somewhere are there. You've got your baggage check, you've got your ticket claim, you've got a snack if you need it. You know what I mean? All the tools you need are there. That's the divine. $20 snack, but yes. Right. But the divine is like, look, everything that you need is here. You just have to move through those lines 
and get on the fucking plane. Okay. So it's like, that's what, to me, the divine is. And as far as your actions that you need to take. Like, the divine is telling you, everything that you need to make this happen is right here for you. Do it. And if it's not right there for you, it's probably not for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And not only that, but the trial to get to where you're manifesting could be a headache. Yeah. Like, baggage claim? Yeah. Fucking hate. Suck yep. it. They might lose your bag. They might and lose you it. might just have to sit there with the divine for a little while. You might be mad about it. You might get, like, grabbed by TSA. Mm-hmm. They might have to, like, check you. Yeah. You might, you have might a get strip searched. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you might have a screaming kid next to you. Yeah. You might be carrying a Heaven screaming forbid kid. you got drugs on you. I mean, we all know how that goes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, some other, like, examples of how you could bring the divine into your manifestation is your typical making mundane things into magic. Like, if you are filling out an application for a job, you know, you maybe want to light a green candle while you do it. Okay. Or bless it with an affirmation before you hand it in. Another good one that I've used before is because words are power in my brain. Like anything that you say, if you say you can do something, you can. If you say you can't, then you can't. Yeah. So that to me is power. One, a good one that I've heard is every time you spend a dollar, Tell yourself, every dollar I spend will attract 10 more back to me. Okay. So for every dollar that I spend, I'm going to get 10 back. That's a lot of dollars. Yeah. Then, so, yeah. And, you know, sometimes you just have to kick people out of your house to make that work. But it, it works. Yeah. You yeah. might have to change some life stuff. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine. And then, of course, you already touched on visualization, meditating, and kind of imagining what the things are mm-hmm. that you want. A good one that I heard, a good visualization that I heard once was, um, a woman was talking about sit down with your notebook and visualize from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, your perfect day. And she said, but just a regular day, like a work day, not like, you know, your perfect Saturday when you go to the beach and do all this other stuff, just like your perfect Tuesday. What does it look like? And then kind of figure that out and then see what steps you need to make that every Tuesday. Like if your perfect Tuesday starts with a Starbucks, how do you make it so that you can have Starbucks every Tuesday? You go to Starbucks. Right. But you know what I mean? Like figure out what exactly you want and then figure out how you need to make that happen. Okay. And that's how you start manifesting. And then once you start figuring out what you want, then you can do your action and your divine stuff and make it happen, boo. Cool. Manifest that shit. I am manifesting that shit. Yeah. What you seek is seeking you. <laughs> what I wrote down here. Is that your ending notes? Yeah, that's it. That I can't fucking. It's wait. kind of like that's that was my kind of like caveat. Like you're not going to manifest someone else's husband. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're not going to be like, gosh, let me manifest something terrible for someone else like that's not gonna work but what you seek is seeking you as long as it's what's for you yeah yeah well i have a money bowl coming up so i'm gonna be fucking doing that money 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 yeah i feel like that's the biggest thing that a lot of people think of when they think about manifestation is like manifesting money yeah well that's because like the money makes the world go round no of course my therapist says you stop shaming yourself will make you happy, not your money. And I'm like, are you sure about that? Are you sure? Are you sure? Because I think having Starbucks every Tuesday would make me pretty damn happy. I'm pretty sure having lots of money will make me happy. Because <laughs> then I have more time. Because then I don't have to work so hard. I don't have to do that overtime. Yeah. But, yeah, like, that's, like, two of, well, one of the two things that, like, are always on my, like, witchy Facebooks is, like, money bowls. Yeah, like, money and money. love spells. Yeah. And then, like, the fucking egg cleansing that I have no idea, and that just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I'm, less, I'm not so sure how I feel about that, because I'm like, what if you just have a bad egg? Like, what if, like, you accidentally left the egg in the fridge too long, and then you did, like, a... Oh, yeah. Egg cleansing, and then, like, it just looks like shit, and you're like, oh, I'm dying. Oh, yeah. I had, right before Maggie 
once I figured out she was pregnant, I had two separate times I had eggs that... With, like, two yolks? Um, yeah, with double yolks. And I was like, oh, hell no, because I'm not having no more babies. <laughs> not, never. It was, it was and I was like, like, the second time I got the egg, though, I, like, called my sister, and I was like, bruh, I'm going to need you to go get a test, because I'm freaking the fuck out now. What's going on? And then it was just my cat, so it's fine. Yeah. But, yeah, that called it. Them eggs. Them eggs. Maybe, maybe there's a little bit more to that than what I think. Yeah. We should research it more. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. <laughs> That's your wheelhouse. Me, I'm just like, I, I think I would be too critical about it to be able to cover it. Okay. Hold on. Well. I'm excited about this because it's part two. I don't know, let me get real comfy. And hold on, hold on. Let me just, let me take a pull off of this real quick. <laughs> Okay, all right, okay, go. I'm so excited. Okay, so this is continuation from our last episode, so please listen to episode five. If if you haven't yet, go back to that real quick, because this is the continuation of the mystery of Marie Carson. So to review from last week, uh, Marie was an amazing person, and people loved her. Marie was having trouble finding her footing in life. However, because she was such an amazing person, people just, um, I guess the word would be adopt her. Yeah. Um, an American serviceman in the Philippines when she was a baby, who we later found out was her actual father. Then her stepmother, who she moved to Fort Walton Beach with. Uh, Kay Barber, who Marie considered her second mother. And then finally, James and Tanya Flanders. Mm-hmm. Um, so all these people like just kind of adopted her. So this was kind of like a theme of her life. Um, while Marie lived in Arizona with James's parent, Marie becomes pregnant. She says the baby belongs to her ex-boyfriend who was abusive. Uh, after Marie says she wants to get an abortion, the Flanders say they will adopt the baby. And at this point, Marie moves back to Florida to live with the Flanders again and has the baby. And then three... Months after, Marie has baby Grace. Uh, She disappears after sending a group text to her friends and family. But she was not a group texter. But she was not a group texter. That was the sus. Yeah. And then we we, uh, left off with Jeff filing a missing persons report and Marie's family and friends not quite trusting that Marie actually sent that group text. Yeah. So. Jeff is the first daughter's dad. Yes. Jeff is her ex-husband. Right. I did not say that in my notes. It's okay. I Good job. Remembered. So, yeah. So, Jeff, who uh, Marie had Paris with, mm-hmm. did the missing uh, person's report. So. All right. One second. <sighs> yeah. So, when Jeff filed the missing person's report, the detective that went straight, the detectives went straight to James and Tanya since, you know, Marie lives with them. Yeah. And they had Marie's baby, Grace, with them. Um, and this happened October 27th, 2011, that the actual text went out October 18th. So this is almost, almost a week. 10 days. Yeah, yeah, 10 days after is when they finally interview um, James and Tanya. And then uh, the detectives checked Marie's room and saw that Marie's clothes were folded on her bed. And they were like, oh, she left them there. And then uh, when the detectives asked about when James and Tanya last saw Marie, they gave the detectives this deadline. Uh, Not deadline. This timeline. Mm -hmm. So they said that October 17th was the last time they saw Marie. It was a Sunday, and James faked being sick so that he could stay home and watch the baby because Marie wasn't acting right. And then between 9.30 and 10, Marie left to go shopping. And then after church, Tanya came home and... Baby Grace was acting a little antsy, so she took Grace out to go shopping. Now, that changed a couple times. Uh, Sometimes Tanya said Marie was sleeping at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another story was, oh, it was after church, and Marie was not even home. So that story kind of, like, gets a little bit fuzzy later on. So after 4 p.m., Marie comes back home and went to her room to take a nap, and then between 6 and 7 p.m., Marie wakes up and her and James talk in the kitchen. Marie was talking about how she wanted to take care of Paris, her first child. Um, But James told her that she needs to take care of herself first, which is good good reasoning there. That's good advice. I mean, that's what they tell moms. Don't pour for an empty cup. Yeah. 
And at this and at this point, Marie gets upset and doesn't want to talk to him anymore. So James took this opportunity to go on a run. And <laughs> he was like, peace out. Well, you're mad. I'm going to just leave. I'm going to go for a run. Whatever. More people need to do that, actually. Yeah, actually, I think that's probably a good plan as long as he didn't murder her. Yeah. Um, so he calls Tanya, who was shopping at Target and Bell's Outlet in Destin. And when she was driving back home, she picked him up during his run and they drove home together. And then between 8 and 8.30, they get home and Marie and her truck is gone. And at this point, James calls and texts Marie multiple times and Marie doesn't answer. So that's like their timeline that they're getting the detectives. Mm-hmm. It's just a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Just a Sunday afternoon. A little bit of a disagreement, but not like nothing crazy. So I think this is a good point, a good place to point out that at this point, Marie's truck is in front of their house. Okay. Um, and this is when James tells uh, the detectives that he found the truck oh. in long-term parking at the Northwest Florida Regional Airport, which is now called the Destin, Florida, Destin Fort Walton Beach Airport on October 21st. Right. Uh, he moved the truck because, back to his house uh, to help Marie save on the long-term parking fees. And the detective searches her truck, but doesn't find anything. So, <laughs> James's reasoning for, like, why he got the truck kind of makes me think of, like, when I went to overnight camp in middle school. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, of course, during camps, you kind of do pranks. Yeah. And so I remember one night, me and one of the other girls, we stayed up late. And we're like, we're going to put toothpaste on everyone's face. Uh-uh. So we put toothpaste on everyone's face. But then we're like, oh, crap. If we don't have toothpaste on our face. Oh, yeah. They're going to know we did this. And it wasn't even like the last night of camp. It was like really early into the camp week. That was like not thoughtful of me. Of course, I was in middle school. Um, and so I put toothpaste on my face and her face. And then we lay down. Yeah. But then the it- toothpaste was starting to burn my face. Yeah. And so then I washed it off. And so then everyone woke up and they're like, well, you don't have toothpaste on your face. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, I did. And I woke up in the middle of the night to go pee. And so I washed it off. Yeah. So this sounds yeah. like that scenario. Yeah. I thought the truck was at the airport. No, I was at my house. And then it was at the airport. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. I, I went. <coughs> it was parked at the airport, but then I grabbed it from the airport because, you know, Marie, quotation, yeah. Doesn't want to pay those long-term fees. Yeah. Right? Sure, Jan. So the detectives did check the airport, and they didn't find any flights leaving with Marie's name on it. Um, they checked security cameras the day that Marie's truck was parked, that which was October 18th. And the ca- uh, the cameras sadly weren't working that day. How convenient. Yeah. And then the detectives found the parking slip that Marie would have gotten when she parked the car. And sadly, they, there wasn't a nice enough fingerprint to get a match. So there was like a smudge or something. Oh, yeah. But they couldn't, you yeah. know, point it to anyone. And, of course, their prints are all over the truck. So Yeah, exactly. And so, well, but, like, they were hoping that that ticket would not have her print on it. And it would have James's print right. on it. Right. And so that's what they were hoping. But no dice. Um, so the detectives were trying. I mean, this was active detective work. I'm... Applause, Okaloosa, Sheriff Department. Um, But they just couldn't catch a break. And then with this dead end, with this dead, what? With all these dead ends, the detective, oh my gosh, why is my mouse not working today? I don't know. Let me take a hit. Yeah. Yeah. Elevator music. All right, we cozy. I'm getting comfy. So with all these dead ends, the detectives could only do what they can, and they started interviewing the congregation at Calvary Emerald Coast Church, which James was the pastor at. But and I except that one Sunday that he was sick. Yeah, except for that one Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well, he was still the pastor. He was just right, but like pastors get sick too. No, no, they don't. Yes, they do. Jesus would never allow that. And they go on vacation. <gasps> I know. Shocking. No. It's a thing. 
Um, but I don't know if you knew this, but church people love to gossip. And what? I know. What? Shocking. Little church ladies. I've read their book. I know they love to gossip. Oh, they love to gossip. That's what their book is. Yeah, pretty much. That's what the Bible is. Hey, you know what this guy did, y'all? <laughs> he did all the shit. And, but there also seemed to be a clique of people who was closest to the pastor. So as the detectives uh, kind of went through the ranks of people, you know, obviously starting with, like, the normal this Sunday people who came, but yeah. like, really didn't interact, like, the inner group, uh, the story just kept on changing on how Marie got pregnant. Ooh. So most of the congregation was telling detectives that Marie got pregnant with her, her abusive ex-boyfriend, which was the story she was telling everyone. Mm-hmm. However, um, as the detectives started interviewing the inner circle of the church, the story starts to change. The story becomes that James was the father. Oh, I know. Scandal. He was the father. He was the father. You are the father. With Murray over here. Get some Murray. Um, but he was the father of baby Grace, and that Marie was just a surrogate. And Marie became pregnant with a turkey baster. So, like, the whole, right, like, right, right. thing. However, Tanya was telling her friends that Maria got pregnant the old-fashioned way. Oh? So... Tanya is his wife? Yeah, Tanya is Oh, my wife. goodness. Man. So... I um, would not tell my friends that. Right? Maybe like, I would. But I'm not a pastor's wife. Well, I feel like she would have to, like... I probably would have talked to my friends before that happened. I'd have been like, hey, so... We can't have a kid, so I'm going to let him have sex with her so that she can have a kid for us. Yeah. And you would, as my friend, would probably be like, maybe no. Oh, yeah, because that's something that I did not do in my review notes is uh, Tanya cannot have a baby. Yeah. So That's what I figured. Well, okay. I, I think we said something about that last time. Yeah. I just forgot. Was that they couldn't it's have children. It's kind of an important yeah. theory here. Right. So, like, I, I understand why. Mm-hmm. But I think that if I came to you and said, I can't have a baby, I'm going to have my husband sleep with someone else, you would tell me, hey, there's other options. Yeah, well, and I think they, like, Tanya and James was telling people that they they tried the other options, but the other options were, like, really expensive. Yeah. And, you know, they're a pastor and a pastor's wife. So. Sorry. Do I smell like kittens? I do. (laughs) Okay, bye. Yeah. Sorry, we had to talk to Kubo. He had cool Yeah, so Tanya can't have babies, and James maybe slept with Marie. Yeah. To no. have a baby. Yeah. So, with the surrogate story, Marie was only going to live with the Flanders for three months after Grace was born so that she could breastfeed the baby, then move out. Right. Uh, but the most scandalous story that came out is that Tanya told her friends that the three of them were actually in a poly relationship. Okay. And that Tanya and Marie were sister wives. Okay. So, uh, James even preached one Sunday about a poly relationship in the Bible and was trying to like, oh, poly relationships are okay. God's okay with this. Which the church elders or the board of, or whatever their leadership was, like sat him down and said, absolutely not. Yeah. I think if the people in the relationship are genuinely okay with it, it's okay. Yeah. But I have heard of a lot of especially religious polyamorous relationships where the people in that relationship were not actually okay with it. Yeah. And then it's not okay. Well, and not only that, but there's also, like, the whole leadership dynamic. Right. Like, James was, like, the leader of Marie. Yeah. So, and she didn't really have a Christian belief before this. Mm -hmm. So, like, she was like, well, he's my pastor. How much of it was taking advantage. Exactly. Like, how much of this was, like, actually wanting to make a relationship work yeah. compared to this is my pastor, I have to do. Like, because that's how fucking cults start. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many cult documentaries I've seen that, like, basically the leader of the church wanted to sleep with all the girls. And so, like, he prevented the guys from sleeping with other girls. And then he just had all the wives. Yeah. Because God told him. Yeah. God said so. So that's just, that's just like. Wouldn't that be hilarious? You know what I want to do? What? I'm going to start a cult. Okay, I was like, you're definitely not going to tell me. the exact opposite. I'm going to be the crazy person. All the men have to sleep with me. But you think I have, men are gross right now? I do, but I'm them their boss. Okay. Like, in that kind of relationship, yeah, I want a hundred husbands. So you want to be in a dominant right. relationship? No. Where you're dominant? No. I want to be the leader of a cult. Oh, Okay. Screw the relationship, yeah, leader no. of the cult. I want to be 
go big or go home. Okay. <laughs> if I'm going to be in a dominant relationship, I'm going to be the dominant person in a hundred relationships. <laughs> and we're going to have a website for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Just turn it all around on them though. Like yeah. the world would be outraged if they heard that I was like kidnapping men and making them be my husband. Yeah. Like probably. versus how they do that to women all the time. That's and all the girls are going to be like, cool. Yeah. All the women would be like, we didn't see nothing. Nope. I didn't, I didn't even notice he was gone to be honest. You're like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. That, that would be very weird. I'm going to write in, that would be a, such a good movie. Like just the exact opposite of all these scary cult stories with these men. Just make it a woman. Yeah. Who like drags men around, carries yeah. them across state lines without telling their parents and shit. Yeah. Have an island. Yeah. Be a <laughs> laid. Yeah. Yep. I like this idea. That I'm makes gonna, sense. I know what I'm manifesting. I'm going to flesh that out a little bit more later. Yeah. You, you, you <laughs> might want to work on that. You might want to shop that out. <laughs> so back to our story. So after the detectives got this contradicting information, they decided to call James and Tanya in for another interview. And this happened on November 2nd, 2011. However, only Tanya showed up to this interview. Oh? Yeah. And during this interview, Tanya tells detectives that on October 17th, 2010, so a year ahead, Mm -hmm. James and Tanya met with Marie in Arizona for the purpose of getting her pregnant. And that James and Marie drank some sake and had sex. All while Tanya watched. Okay. Which is like super creepy. I mean, I guess not. I mean, some people that's a thing that they're super into. Um, I don't know. But yet again, like how much was Marie into this? Yeah. Compared to like. Yeah. Now all of a sudden that Marie's not there to speak for herself. It all seems very gross. Yes. That's what it is. We don't know. If Marie had been there the whole time and been like, hell yeah, this is great. Y'all we had a blast. It'd be different. But now all of a sudden Marie's missing. Yeah. And all this stuff is coming out. And it's like, what? And we don't know how, how much she actually wanted this. Yeah. Like, it, like, cause like they're saying like, oh, she wanted an abortion. Oh, she didn't want a relationship with her daughter. Yeah. But the thing is like her relationship with her first daughter, Paris was great. She, was great. She yeah. talked to Paris all the time. She was fully involved, like all this stuff. So like, it's kind of making it weird, but, um, but the reason why James wasn't at this interview was because his friend, Eric Sass, Baker acted him. Oh, and this happened. I would love that name. Eric Sass. Yeah. His last name is Sass. That's what it said. S-A-S-S. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Does he have a son? I want to marry him just so I can have that name. I don't know. Because that will bring all the sass. I guess you could, like, Facebook stalk him and find out. I could. Because we have his full But also, maybe not. Maybe this is a little too much drama for me. Eh, But I guess he's just a buddy. Yeah, he's just a buddy. He's not involved. Yeah. All right. Eric Sass. And actually, Eric Sass is pretty awesome. Because this happened. Sounds like you're saying Eric's ass is pretty (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Actually, Eric Sass is great. Yeah, I think, I think that's the episode name right there. Eric Ass. Eric Ass. Eric Ass. It's yeah. great. It's fabulous. Eric Ass is awesome. It's so bubbly. That I mean, he's older guys so ew, but we don't know that. But imagine growing up with that name. Yeah, Eric Ass. Oh, he got some booty in like high all the time. He would be. Let's talk about Eric Ass. Yep. Like he probably got pants every freaking day. Oh, so that everyone could see Eric Ass. That, that, just, <laughs> that just made it sad. I, I was like, he's getting booty, and you're like, he gets pants. Well, yeah, I'm thinking of him getting bullied, because I had a, my name is not spelled correctly, and I was bullied. Yeah. And so, weird names, I'm always like, ah, huh, feel you there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but Eric got James bankrupted, and this happened on October 31st. James met Eric at lunch, or at Eric's work. Different sources say different things. Mm-hmm. And he begged Eric to help him get out of country. And he said, by air or boat. Huh? Yeah. So James is, like, trying to, like, scram. Yeah. And when Eric asked what was going on, because obviously as a friend, you're like, wow, that's intense. Like, what's going on? James just said, it's bad. It's really bad. I need to get out of the country. This is, he literally only got interviewed once Mm -hmm. and was being asked to interview twice. Yeah. So like freaking out. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's very extreme. Yeah. 
But, and then, like, Eric was trying to, like, get some more information, but, like, James wasn't telling him anything. Um, and then Eric knew that James had a gun on him, and so, due to James acting erratic, Eric asked for James' gun, and James did give it to him. And then Eric was like, you know, Dina. Let's go get some ice cream. Let's go get some ice cream. Let's go get some ice cream. <laughs> Shout out to my mom. <laughs> Who doesn't listen. Who says, let's go get some ice cream and then throws your ass in the hospital. Yeah. Like, this is acting crazy. So, James got fake reacted and he stayed in the hospital for 10 days. Good job, Eric's ass. So, that's why he wasn't at the interview. Was because he practically confessed to his friend Eric and was saying, get me the fuck out of town. I hope Eric covers his ass. I hope he tells the cops that he said that. Oh, he did. Okay, good. He did. Because you could be conspiracy then. If someone says some kind of shit to you. And you yep. don't tell nobody? Yep. I mean, I'm not going to tell nobody, but you know. Yeah, that's why I have this information. Actually, I did find that police report. Remember how, like, yeah. two days ago, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't find it. I totally found it. Good. Made, made me super happy. I bookmarked that shit. I was like, I'm not going to lose this again. <laughs> but Eric Sass <laughs> is in the, the thing. So that's how I know all this information. Eric Sass. Eric Sass. That's, what, that's the name of the episode. What's your <laughs> name? Marie Carson and Eric Sass. <laughs> Maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll shop it. I normally don't do it until, like, I'm editing. And then, like, it's whatever cracks us up the biggest most. <laughs> I'm just like, wait, what? Bigfoot's a lighthouse keeper? Yeah, Avi. Avi. Poor Bigfoot. <laughs> Poor lighthouse keeper. Yep. Poor Thomas. Aw. Aw. All of them are so sad. All right, continue. Shit, what's his name? Kyle? Yeah, poor Kyle. Kyle. All scrunched up in that Jetta. All scrunched up in that Jetta. We're just going to add people to this car, obviously. Like, Yeah, oh my gosh. At the lighthouse. It's a car full of... It's a Jetta full of TVs at the lighthouse stuck under the stairs. All of our With characters. Thomas. Yeah. With Bigfoot. Bigfoot and Kyle and Eric's ass. Eric's ass. Not all of Eric. Just his ass. <laughs> Just a butt cheek. Yeah, he's just got his ass stuck through the window or something. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's next, it's like pushed against the window. <laughs> Eric's ass is mooning everyone in this Jetta. Because he's all smooshed up against the window because of all those TVs. <laughs> Poor man. That's still his name. You ever think about that too? Like once you're a grown up adult, imagine being like in your 50s. Oh, I'm having to go to a business meeting and be like, hey, I'm Eric's ass. Yep. That would suck. That would so suck. That's like when, like, old men still go by, like, Timmy. I'm like, you're an adult. Yeah. You're Tim. Tim. Like, calm down. Yeah. Anywho. Eric's ass. <laughs> Eric's ass. So Eric's ass we need took to James on. to get in the hospital yes. for 10 days. And while James was in the hospital, the youth pastor, Jason Anderson, took over James's responsibility of the church. Because that's what you're supposed to do as a youth pastor. And, right. oh, boy. Did he have his hands full? Because October 31st, when James was admitted to the hospital, Tanya just kind of walks into Jason's office and tells him, we made some decisions we regretted, and James is the father of Marie's baby. James was in the hospital, and he left here with the intentions of going somewhere and killing himself. Like, straight up, I know this is your first day of, like, adult pastor, and I'm pretty sure Jason's like, give me the teenagers, please. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Because after Tanya left, then Debbie Henley, who was one of the ladies in the inner circle, comes in and spills the beans. Oh. And she's like, hey, you know, James, Tanya, Marie, and, you know, how we were kind of suspicious about that stuff. Yeah. They're in a poly relationship. And this was the fuck. <laughs> this was the first time. That Jason found out about this. Oh my gosh. Poor Jason. Poor Jason. Jason. Fucking Kyle. Bigfoot. All of them. Just. Oh. All these people are just like trying to do their damn job. Yep. And like. Ugh. Like Kyle's just like. Working a hotel front desk. And all of a sudden he's squeezing a Jetta with some TVs. Jason's like. You know. Just trying to read the Bible and stuff. Yeah. And talk about it. Yeah. And it's like. Also though. Scandal. Super big scandal. 
So, like I said, at this point, Jason finds out that his pastor and boss was in a poly relationship. And I'm sure that at this point, Jason is like, holy shit, what did I get myself <laughs> into? So, like I said, this was October 31st, mm-hmm. 2011. We're jumping now to January 26th, 2012. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the hell happened in those three months. <laughs> because it was like, Jason was, yeah, was James still the pastor? Was Jason taking over the pastoral duty still? Yeah. I have no idea. I mean, who knows? Maybe Jason was like fasting and praying for three months and be like, God, what the fuck am yeah. I doing? James went back to the seminary. Yeah. To restore his faith and humanity. Who knows? Um, I have no idea what happened. Mm-hmm. But at this point, Jason, along with other members of the church staff, had a meeting with James and Tanya. And at this meeting, James told them that the night of October 7th, Marie was acting crazy and they had a verbal and physical altercation. And during this fight, Marie told James, Daddy, do you want to fuck me? That either James is fucked up because he lied about this statement mm-hmm. or Marie's fucked up because she said this statement. And that's why I'm kind of leaning towards maybe the dynamic in the relationship wasn't actually a fair relationship. That yeah. it was like a dominant submissive Where she wasn't advantage. actually super down for it. I have no yeah. idea. But just I read that statement and I was just like, holy shit. And he said that at a church meeting. He said this at a church meeting. Like, that's something that could have definitely... I was once in a church meeting where we talked about how someone could not have a Jesus tattoo on their ankle. Yeah. Visible in front of the children. And your fucking pastor is saying and that... your a- pastor walks in and said, yeah, this happened. And she said, Daddy, you want to fuck me? Yeah. Like, if, if a pastor said that to me, I would probably cry. Yeah. And I'm not even Christian. Because that would just be so outlandish. Well, like, how the... This is just so messed up. I can't yeah. even continue on how messed up this is. Yeah. For people in the church. For people in the church. That's what it is, is that if these have, are not their personalities that they portray. Yeah. Like, if you people have People who know them would not think that they talk like that. Yeah, if you have a daddy and, and baby girl relationship, that's cool. Whatever yeah. is your kink is cool. But this is like a quotation, godly man with some, someone from their congregation who is, like, a new believer. And that is just... That's where it's wrong. Yeah, it's a little creepy. Um, James says that the altercation caused injuries bad enough that James had to wear long sleeve shirts for two weeks after Marie went missing. Oh, poor guy. Which is... Well, it's like... So you're literally saying that she touched you. Yeah, she scratched And now she's missing. Yeah. Hmm. But I believe this was the time that James was asked to resign. And so he did. And then two days later, January 28th, a budget rental truck was parked in the driveway of the Flanders house. Investigator Mendez confronted Tanya in a Pepper jo- Papa John's parking lot. She showed Tanya. Actually, no. He showed Tanya mm-hmm. um, evidence that James' cell phone pinged off the towers near the airport the day that her truck entered the park. The parking lot. Yet again. Yeah. Let me take another smoke break. Sometimes I need a I was smoke doing good. break. Ah. You know what I just noticed? Speaking of nothing oh. else, hmm. this pen that I wrote my manifesting notes on, it says manifesting magic on the pen. You didn't know that? I didn't even think of that. No, I just grabbed the first book and I was like, boom, topic. Oh. And it was manifesting, so that's what we went with today. Oh, cool. Cool. Any hoozle. Okay. Back to uh, the so, real shit. So, yeah. So James resigns, and then two days later, a budget truck, I think that's what was messing me up, budget rental truck was parked in the driveway of the Flanders house. Investigator Mendez confronted Tanya in the Papa John's parking lot and showed Tanya evidence that James' cell phone pinged off the towers near the airport on the day her truck entered the airport's long-term parking. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, these records also showed that James and Marie were at the same place when Marie sent that group message. Ooh. Yeah. He also pointed out that Marie's phone never left Fort Walton Beach area. Mm. And, to, and to this, Tanya said, I don't know what to tell you. And then at this point, Tanya heads home and her and James quickly pack up and left that night to go to Arizona with baby Grace instead of the next day that was originally planned. So they... Got out of Dodge. They got out of Dodge. They were out of there. They went, whoop. 
Or no. Because that doesn't make them look suspicious at all. I know. Well, I mean, he literally tried to get out of the country already. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of suspicious shit happening here. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. They're, they have bad poker faces. They would not be good at poker. Yeah, they would not be good. They'd be like, I'm going to win. He's like, no, you're not, because now I know. Yeah. However, before Tanya and James left town, Kay, Marie's second mother, asked them for Marie's stuff, and they gave it to her along with her, uh, with Marie's laptop. Oh, that was dumb. So Kay opens the laptop, and it's all been erased. Oh, good. Um, so Kay gave it to the laptop to detectives, and the detectives were able to pull up text messages. However, the text messages were encrypted, so the laptop ended up being a dead end. So I wasn't sure where to add this information into my notes, but I feel like it was worth adding. So here we go. So October 18th at 3.46 a.m., a copper port in Marie's truck was located at an abandoned Chevron gas station located at 521 Mary Esther Cobb. Because I have to see where it is. Mm-hmm. I was mean, just like, I, I've been there. <laughs> I think it's like the one with crickets or something. Like they used to have live bait there. Uh, Marie wasn't reported missing yet at this point, so it didn't raise any red flags with the cop when he ran her license plate. Hmm. Uh, but looking back now, we know that this was the time between Marie's truck, when Marie's truck was at the Flanders, and when James found it at the airport. Okay. So, someone moved it from the Flanders to To the the abandoned gas station, then to the airport. Right. All within 24 hours. And then uh, another nugget of information is that when Marie's group text went out, I mentioned last week that Kay contacted James asking him if he was going to file a missing persons report. And James said that he had a friend in the sheriff's department that he would talk to. Well, James never filed a missing persons report. Right, because Jeff did. Because Jeff did. Ooh. Can you imagine how mad Jeff must be about all this? Poor Jeff. It, he just seems so sad when you, like, see his interviews. Like, because yeah. I think he was thinking that maybe... Someday. Hit, someday. Yeah. Like, when she got back Her on her together. feet. Yeah, yeah. That maybe they can get back together or something. Uh, but, poor yeah. Jeff. Poor Jeff. Poor Kyle. Man. Poor Jason. These are sad stories. Except for the alien ones. I like the alien ones. Yeah, the alien ones. Because that's a vibe. That's a vibe. Um... So back to the story. When James and Tanya gone with... Oh! (laughs) Yeah, because they went to Arizona. Well, no, I said... Yeah, anyway. With James and Tanya gone and nobody to be found, nobody, like, they couldn't find Marie's body. Right. Not nobody. (laughs) Nobody to be found. There's no one left in the whole (laughs) No, they all screamed. Everyone was like, fuck this. It's too much drama. But... Uh, since they couldn't find Marie's body, um, the case started to become a cold case. Mm-hmm. And detectives received a tip that Marie's body was buried in the Flanders backyard. However, nothing was found. And the detectives kept doing interviews and trying to reach James, but they couldn't find any concrete evidence. So October 23rd, 2013. So this is two years after she's disappeared. Yes. Right. Yes. Thank you for keeping me straight because... So two years after she went missing, James petitioned for sole legal and physical custody of Grace. And it was granted. Right, because he's her father. Yeah. Like DNA. Yeah. Well, not only that, but James signed documents attesting that Marie Jane Carson whereabouts were unknown and there had been no contact from her for nearly two years. Of course, he didn't tell the judge that he was a suspect of Marie's missing person case. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know where she is. She just doesn't talk Nobody's to us. Nobody's heard from her in like two years, my guy. Well, because she's missing. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, since Marie, uh, quotation, abandoned her child. Right. He got custody. Is Tanya still there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like, since he's right, the father. But he, yeah. It's so. his kid. I get it. So let's just jump to 2015. Okay. So another two years. Uh, this is after four years. Oh, this is four years after Marie... Was, has gone missing, and the case has officially gone cold. Cold Justice TV show started investigating, and you know, because TV, yeah, people started talking. Yep. Everyone's like, I want to be on TV. Yeah, I want to be on TV. I can give you all the tea about the church. All the deets. Yeah. So, Greg Gobbin, 
a member of James' church, received a text message from James asking for heavy prayers on October 18th. Gary drove by James's house that morning when he noticed James's motorcycle was parked behind Marie's white truck. So this shows that Marie's truck was at the abandoned gas station, mm-hmm. then was at the Flanders before it got parked at the airport. Okay. So it went. So they're from, just moving this truck all over the place. They're moving place. the truck everywhere. They it, got TVs in it or something. Maybe <laughs> and a Kyle. Um, yeah, you could totally fit five TVs in a Kyle in a truck. Oh yeah, it'll be in the back. It'll yeah. be perfect. Tons of room. And then also, James's phone was located via phone tower to all of these locations where Mar- Marie's truck was. Gasp! Shock! I know. I'm so surprised. Like, and Marie's phone stayed at the same place. Yeah. Like. She didn't move. He moved all the places where his where this truck was. So mm-hmm. super suspicious. So February fifteenth, twenty fifteen, detectives had a phone call with Tanya, and at this point, Tanya becomes hostile mm-hmm. and said that the cops had turned against them after all they did to take care of Marie and help the cops find her. And I'm like, help like the leave? Yeah, like like literally you- like flee the state. Like, That's super helpful. Do two interviews and go? They didn't even do two whole interviews. They did an interview and a half. Well, I was saying Tanya did Yeah, two Tanya interviews. did, but, yeah. like, still. But the main person of the hour was dipping into a psych ward. Yeah, because he was trying to leave the country. Because he was trying to leave the country. And Eric's ass was like, That's a bad idea. Yeah. Um, and around this time, Marie's laptop was submitted to New Forensic Science. Uh, now on her laptop, cops found pornographic texts and pics. Ooh. Some were even taken in the church. Ooh. And these messages were proof that James and Marie was having a sexual relationship. Nice. This also showed that even though James said he messaged Marie multiple times after her disappearance, that in reality he didn't. Well, why would he? <laughs> well, I mean. He knows there's no one there. Well, like, uh, the podcast I was listening to, they were just like, you know what he should have done was text Marie's phone and then on Marie's phone, text him. Yeah. But I guess they would still ping off the same tower and they'd be like, why? You're in the living room together. Why are you texting? (laughs) So, I mean, me and my kids text each other all the time. I text, oh my gosh, my sister? Because we're mean. Yeah. So, like, we can't say half the shit that we think out loud. Yeah. So we just text it to each other. Yeah. With all of this gathered information, cops were finally able to arrest James in his home in Arizona on May 5th, 2015. He was charged with second-degree murder. Cinco de Mayo! Oh, yeah, that would have been Bad day yeah. for him. Oh, Probably trying to have some margaritas, not some today. tacos. Not like, today. You know, how about you go have some tacos in uh, jail? Yeah. So the state attorney and James's lawyer came up with a plea deal. And on, and on April 2016, James pleaded guilty to manslaughter and admitted he put Mary in a chokehold until she stopped breathing. And basically what his thing was, he was saying... She was acting so erratic that I had to stop her. Yeah. But, like, even in his, like, um, confession, this says in a chokehold, he said, I gave her a bear hug. And she stopped breathing. Like on Orange is the New Black? I didn't see that. Okay, well, I'm still mad about it, and so no spoilers, but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a thing. This is why women are afraid of men. Maybe. She's like, oh, let me hug you, and then you're dead. Yeah. But at... at as part of this plea deal, he showed detectives where the body was. And sadly, it was in the fucking backyard this whole time. Oh, my goodness gracious. So they missed it. And even the main uh, detective on the case, I don't know if she was the main detective, one of the detectives on the case. Yeah. She was, like, so upset. So, like, during the interview when they were, like, where's her body? And he's, like, it's in my backyard. Like, you can see her in the video, like, get up and walk out of the room because she's, like, Fuck me. Yeah. We looked there. We looked there. There was like a tip. I followed it. I did the stuff and we fucking missed her. So she was buried like five feet underground in a blanket. And, but the family had the body. And yeah. So like the state attorney did go to the, the, you know, the family and was like, are you okay with this? And they were just like, you know, we, we just want her body. Yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of, do they call it cold justice? It's like, yeah, he's going to jail. He admitted he did it. But at the same time, like, we want more. Yeah. But at the same time, we want the body more than we want 
him, you know. Yeah. So. Nothing is ever going to bring her back. Yeah, nothing's going to bring her back. Yeah. So, James received 15 years in prison. However, he'd get out in 11 for good behavior. And he's scheduled to be released in December of 2029. So, three years. No, that's six years. Six years. See, when you said, do you know, do you want to do math? I was like, no, because uh, I don't know how to do math. I do, but not under pressure. Um, Where's he at? I don't. Probably in Century. Maybe. I totally forgot. Wait. Where is James Flander currently? According to Sportskeeda, based on his confession, statement, and the deal he struck to show where the body was buried, James received a lenient sentence instead of life imprisonment. According to prison records, he currently remains incarcerated at the Madison Correctional Institution in Florida and is scheduled for release in 2029. Okay. Madison. Now we have to Google that. Where is Madison Correction Facility? It's on the other side of Tallahassee. Okay. So totally different time zone. Yeah. So he's there till December 2029. And of course, with this horrible outcome... For Marie, there are two children without a mother. As of July 21st, 2020, uh, 18-year-old Paris seems to be leading a blissful life with her father in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Nice. Sadly, James argued that the 2013 custody order gave him the right to assign care of his daughter to his wife, Tanya, and it was approved. However, Marie's family had a visitation plan approved by the court, and it allows Marie's family to visit and maintain regular contact with Grace, who is now 11. Which, I fo- oh, I fucking hope that Marie finds out what, ha- I mean, not Marie, um, Grace finds out what happened to her mom and was like, you ain't my dad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you give the sperm, but you fucking murdered her, so no, yeah. you ain't my dad. And tell Tanya, you ain't my fucking mom. Oh my gosh. I yeah. mean, even biological parents, like, even, like, step-parents have to deal with that shit, so. Step-parents that murdered your mom? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I just think that would be my thing, is it's not so much, this is going to sound not like my, like I need it to sound, but it's not so much the murdering. It's the hiding of the murdering. If you accidentally murdered someone, and you went straight to the police and said, yo, she was acting crazy. I totally just accidentally murdered this woman. I'm like, I'm really upset about it. I'm freaking out. But here's the thing: you you'd still go to jail and all that, but like, you wouldn't be this big douche who like did something and then tried to cover it up. He actually is getting the same penalty if he would have just went to the police. Yeah, that's annoying. I don't think he should get that. Like, he should get some time for like wasting taxpayer money. Yeah, that cost me some dollars. That cost me some dollars. So I'm not going to talk about that little. Thing that exploded at the bottom of the ocean either cost a million dollars because that's fine money. I don't think that's taxpayer money. I think like they the literally... U.S. Coast Guard. Yeah, it is. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, to find it. Yes. Yeah. I, I was thinking about the submarine itself. Yeah, no, that was not taxpayer money. The rest of it, though, the whole little search party that we spent billions of dollars on for them. Yeah, that they maybe didn't all the way deserve. I think they deserved it. Well, I think that the five hundred people who went down on a regular boat deserved it. No, well, yeah, but you know that was before. All the technology we have. Like, oh no, it's the same day. Oh, they were too busy oh. searching for the billionaires and let five hundred men, women, and children children die. Yeah, I remember you were telling yeah. me that. Um, and now, Obama was mad about it. Of course, he was. Obama got on the news and was like, "Are you shitting me, bro?" Yeah, Joe. <laughs> Joe, like, yeah, Joe. you're. That's your bro. I would call. I would call Joe. Oh my gosh! If why? I was Obama, I'd be like, Joe. "Why? Why do we not see mm. Biden?" Obama memes. Like, I voted for Biden because I wanted the Biden Obama memes. We didn't get any. We didn't get any. I miss Obama so much. Uh, he was the coolest president. The, he was cool. My favorite one was when he was trying to dip a, cu- a cookie in a glass of milk, and he was at the White House, but the cookie was too big to go in the glass. And so he gets all annoyed, and he sets it down, and he goes, thanks, Obama. <laughs> but it was himself. But it's his White House, so he bought the cookies. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, man, who got these? Me? <gasps> Thanks, Obama. I would say that to myself all the time. You do say that him. to yourself. No, no. But if I was him, yeah. I would be like, Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Fucking light went out. Not even a replaced Jack. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. And if I was Michelle, 
all the time. Yeah. Like if I, oh my gosh, I bet she does. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I bet she does. Like if he's like, man, I forgot to pick up the dry cleaning. I bet she's like, geez, thanks Obama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you don't, you need to. Yeah, Michelle. Michelle, Come who's on. listening to our podcast, she's one of our seven followers. Yeah, I'm sure she is. Totally. There was another one while we were talking about Michelle, because she's the best, where she's she's talking about, um, she's doing an interview with someone, and then she said, yeah, that's the White House, or the, the Oval Office window right there. And the interviewer said, oh, is the president in there right now? And she was like, he better be. That's where he said he was going to be. And if he's not, we got a problem. And I was like, yeah, that's a wife right there. <laughs> She's like, oh, that's what he said. So if he's not, then hmm, that's you funny. and me both, man. <laughs> Where is he? Yeah, my president should be in the in the Oval Office, and my husband better be there too. He better not be pulling a bull, a Bill Clinton. Yeah, okay. better not be anyone in that office with him under the desk or nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, Obama would never. He's a delight. I yeah. I don't know him personally or anything like that, but I assume. I, I do. I do like Obama. I mean, I will get some flack from that from my Republican family members and my Republican significant well, other. Well, I mean, you know, you can like people and disagree with their politics. He's a cool dude. He's cool. I think he is. He was just a cool dude. Yeah. Like, he just seems like a cool dude. Yeah. And then, also, I liked him as president because I think the president should be cool. <laughs> remember when, oh, remember the election day that we were, like, literally, like, tearing at, yes. like, our desk? Yes. And I we do. were, like, literally... Like, I remember no one speaking in the pass- office the next day. We were passing, like, or passing, like, as if we're passing notes, like, school. <laughs> we were texting each other and, like, instant messaging each other, like, Biden and uh, Obama memes, like, yeah. all day. And I was like, man, I already miss him. <sighs> it's already sad. It's already sad. So, thank you for joining us. You can catch us here every Monday where we will continue to talk about true crime, paranormal, metaphysical, and new age shit while getting high. We also have a Instagram, the Spooky Stoners Podcast, that is stoners with three Z's. If you would like to contact us about your personal true crime or paranormal story, or if there is a subject you would like us to cover, you can email us at thespookystonerspodcast at gmail.com. And again, That is stoners with three Z's. So we will see y'all next Monday. And in the meantime, keep smoking spooky stoners.